Every life has a story, and every story is worth sharing. Your story, my story, and our story speak of victory and defeat, joy and sorrow, resilience and vulnerability. They are not just our story, they are Christ's story in us. They are Kingdom Stories from Down Under. One day, a neighbor came to introduce himself to me over the fence. They were just buying the property next door. I'm talking about a commercial property next to our business. He was saying to me that uh, they're a church and they are buying uh, the building next door to turn it into a church. He had no idea that I'm a Christian, that I'm a pastor, and uh, that we will most likely begin some sort of a journey together. Um, it was beautiful that later on, uh, when we were going to a conference together, we met in the car park and he realized that we are brothers in Christ and both in the ministry and doing God's work. Tonight, it is my joy to have a Kingdom Stories from Down Under, Joe Adusi, Pastor Joe Adusi. Welcome. Thank you. You had no idea at the time that... <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. Um, I was just trying to be uh, nice to a neighbor that I might need help from one day. So. That's right. Never know scripture says we should entertain uh, strangers. That's right. So I was just fulfilling scripture so that That's right. if I needed help, I would definitely come back to you to say, hey, help me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but I uh, it's been a pleasure. Um, yeah. And that uh, pastor's uh, meeting was also a funny one because we, we we virtually, I think, left at the same time. At the same time. And we, we got there. and On the freeway, I saw you actually <laughs> driving down the freeway. Yeah. So. And we end up in the car park. I I I felt because I I knew obviously you didn't yeah. know that I was yeah. part of the group, and uh, I felt man, what if, what <laughs> if? You know what gave it away? Mm. Your wife was dressed up. Okay. And I thought, mm, Maybe. what if? You know what if? <laughs> yeah. And then uh, in the car park, that was awesome, yeah. awesome. How yeah, our paths crossed. Yeah, it was good. So, yeah. Yeah, and you've settled in? Yes, um, gradually by the grace of God. Yes, we're getting there. It's not done yet, but we're getting there. So. It is a massive move, isn't it? Yes. It's a big milestone for you. For us, uh, I mean, in, in every aspect, uh, financially, the work required, yeah. and also the challenge of filling it. Yeah. Because um, it's one thing getting the building, and it's one thing actually filling it. That's right. But for us, it it's, uh, builds our faith. Yes. That the bigger it is, the more challenge the Lord gives you to say, I've given it to you now. Do the work. And doing the work means more evangelism. Yes. Getting people established and also getting people discipled. So it's, it's not just filled with people, but people who are fruit-bearing Christians. Wonderful. Yeah. And, but that's, it, it does also bring a lot of excitement, doesn't it? Oh, definitely, yes. Um, in some sense, in humility, it's quite new in our community. It's, yeah. it's not something that it's common. Usually you would expect people from other ethnic backgrounds doing those kind of projects. But for us, um, to the glory of God, it's the first of its kind and we thank God that he found us worthy yeah. uh, to be the ones that he would um, use to do that kind of trailblazing work. So all glory yeah, to it's him. It's very yeah. pioneering, isn't yeah. it? And it's a big commitment, uh, both financial, but mm -hmm. also in terms, as you said, in terms of ministry, it's yeah. hand in hand. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it goes, I mean, financially, yes. Um, but somehow, somehow, um, if you trust God to open the door, then 
you need another level of faith yeah. to keep trusting him that it should be taken care of. Absolutely. And so I'm saying, <laughs> if he provided the place, he will fill the place. Exactly. So in fact, I think he did say, "I will build my church." <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> so uh, you just open it. Yes, we just open it, and um, we hand over the pressure to him to That's take right. care of. So it's to the glory of God. It's never been a discussion of how things get paid. God, in His own wisdom, um, get things moving, and we give Him all the glory. Yes. Are you at rest or at t- at times a little bit overwhelmed? I mean, the. As human as you are in ministry, you get overwhelmed. Yes. But for us, it's not financial. Yeah. It's the combination of full-time work. Yes. And doing ministry. Okay, life and balance kind exactly. of thing. Exactly. And uh, for us, especially the community I'm coming from, when yeah. you're doing ministry, you're not just a preacher. No, no. You, you're, you're a lawyer. Yeah. You are a teacher. You are peacemaker. You are, you do a lot of things. Hospital. You're a doctor. You're a nurse. You're you, a midwife. You go everywhere. <laughs> you know, so it's the 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 grace to balance things um, so that you don't get burnt out because of course you've got your own family that God expects you to take care of your own body as well to take care of and then your if you if you are bivocational yes. your employer as well in my case yeah. yeah was it is it the way ministry is done uh, back where you're from um interestingly no a lot of people that are doing well um, back home tend to be full-time. Okay. Um, but there's a new crop of pastors and ministers who are becoming more and more bivocational. Okay. Because things have changed over the years. Uh, people are getting more educated and they feel that... So it's by choice, not because of finances? No, it's mostly it's, it's by, by choice. choice. Yeah. Because people feel that if we just left the marketplace for other people... And then we just stay in the church. We are not. We're actually reducing our influence. That's right. Because if you're in a the marketplace, then you also have access to some people that may potentially become Christians or get to hear the gospel. Let me tell you a secret. Okay. On Friday, I had a very good friend of mine coming to visit me. He's an elder of the city and a pastor, and uh, uh, he came at our business next door to your church. Yeah. And he said, "Oh, a church next door." Uh, I said, "Yeah." I said. Um, that's the Sunday church. And I said, this is the Monday to Friday church. <laughs> and he, he understood. <laughs> you know, in that business, yeah. I think I've prayed for about five people that mm. had cancer. Mm. Mm. There is no one week that goes by mm. without ministering deep to somebody, mm. not just having a conversation, mm. but actually ministering to somebody mm. from that place. Wonderful. Praise God. Monday to Friday. Praise God. And I think, as you said, if I was, I mean, I was full-time pastor mm. and I didn't get to minister that much mm. during the week as I mm. do in the marketplace. Mm. Mm. And you know what? It's a captive audience. They listen to you. Exactly. It's different. Yeah. It's peer-to-peer. It's mm. almost like they owe it Correct. to listen to you. So mm. it's, it's a, you're right. It is a massive opportunity, yeah. but then, you know, you've got to balance very well the ministry. <laughs> yes. And we, we, we thank God for the grace that he provides. Every time. Do you have a team? Yes, we've got a team um, that supports the work and they do it wholeheartedly. Are Obviously, they active? They're very active. In the uh, pastoral care as well? Um, in the pastoral care, um, our church is discipleship-based. Okay, so, so they, they interconnected. They, yes, yeah, so they get discipled and they disciple oh, other people. Good. And they have, if you like, some kind of KPIs they have to meet yes. to ensure that at the end of each month, this 
X number of people have been discipled or have been taken care of okay. or are doing their work. And okay. so um, we, we meet monthly yeah. and they get to report to say that brother, or when we haven't seen someone for a long time, yeah. okay. they, 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 they do the follow-ups and etc. And do they break yeah. in the community as well? Yes. Well, to I mean, start witnessing and evangelizing? Uh, it's, it's interesting you say that because Australia is quite different from yeah. where we come from. Um, when I was growing up, uh, our style of ministry is you preach in the car. You have you you just have bought a ticket as a passenger, but you just feel compelled to just stand in the bus and start preaching. Hallelujah. And um, I, I don't know the number of, I can't count it. I did it for most of my teenage years. Um, I did it. I also, uh, we also have what they call dawn broadcast. Uh -huh. So you get up at dawn 4 a.m., 3.30, yes. 4.30 a.m. You have your megaphone. Yes. You go in the community and you yeah. start just preaching the gospel. <laughs> um, we, I've, I've done that for many years. Before, before the Muslim, uh, the uh, Iman. Sometimes it's, 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 it's at the same time. <laughs> so while they are screaming, we're also shouting Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, and, but it's, Australia is different. No, it's, yeah. it's quite an insular society. And we always pray for, for an opportunity uh, and the door opening to share the gospel. Because back home, another technique is you can just go around and yeah. knock on people's doors. Easy. Um, but here, especially when you have this skin type, <laughs> when you're starting to knock on people's doors, it, it says a lot of things. Especially, we've, we've tried it in the area. And yeah. it's like, who are you? That kind of thing. But we've, we feel compelled to... Uh, share the gospel. So our evangelist uh, evangelism technique is that when an opportunity presents itself, yep. we pounce out on it like That's right. with every might. Well, Jesus said, if you find a person of peace, stay there. <laughs> yes. So, but if they're not a person of peace, don't yeah. just carry on. Yeah. So um, every opportunity we get um, when we get invited to weddings, uh, funerals, and Places where people meet, it's yeah. a big thing for us. That's we, right. We just really pounce on it just to get the message across. I remember a friend of mine, he posted a post um, in, a, in a group. Uh, he said, when do you know that you're in an Australian church? <laughs> and I, I wrote there, when you actually see an Australian in church. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Because most... I reckon mm. maybe over way over fifty percent of yeah. the people in churches mm. in mm. let's say mm. Protestant churches, mm. you know, Bible believing churches, mm. are not Australian. Yeah. So God has brought us here for yeah. something which is far greater than I us. Believe, I believe He so. loves this land, He I, loves these people, yeah. and the passion that we bring and mm. the you know everything that was deposited mm. for in mm. us, mm. it must bear fruit. There's there's a reason. Exactly. And I think you know beyond any barrier or any blockages that we see or we perceive, yeah. we've got to go beyond that. Correct. Correct. My, I completely understand that because I believe that, um, I mean, I lived in the Netherlands before uh, we came to Australia. Also okay. in ministry for, for sent, to, sent from Ghana to the Netherlands as a missionary. Just as, as difficult. Yeah. Same thing. So, I mean, when the time came for us to come to Australia, we prayed, God, that so many places that you can take a show. But somehow this place opened onto us. And the questions we've been asking ourselves is, why did God bring us here? And yeah. I, I don't think it was mainly just for studies, but it was because God wanted us here to reach out to the land to ensure that it gets impacted yeah. um, for the gospel. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah. 
So let's go back to Ghana. Mm. Did you grow up in a uh, Christian family? Yes. Um, okay, so before I start yeah. going into that story, I would like to sincerely thank God for His grace, for what, what He's done in my life and um, how far He's brought me. Um, I must be humble enough to admit that I'm here today because um, some people have sacrificed. Um, and I'm grateful to the mentors, the spiritual mothers and fathers and friends, my family members who have all, in one way or the other, contributed to building my faith. Yes, so to answer the question, yes, um, our home was a Christian home. Yeah. But it was a Christian home in a unique sense So because everyone went to different church. So there was the Presbyterian in the, in the family, there was the Methodist in the church, and there was our great-grandfather who was an apostolic church member. And so depending on the mood, when I was growing up, I could visit all the churches. But mostly my great-grandfather used to play the accordion uh-huh. and um, he was old. So he would let me carry it and walk sometimes for one and a half hours uh, so that he can go and play in his church and come back. So um, that was a good excuse to always avoid him because uh, carrying the accordion <laughs> was not... Quite a, I mean, it was not, an, an, it was, it was not an incentive. But over time, he he felt that um, we would not take car, so we would hire a taxi to go to church, etc. But mom used to go to Presby, but was not Christian. Um, my dad and my mom uh, were not together. I'm the only son of mm-hmm. my mother and my father. Okay. And so, how many sisters? I've got uh, a sister. On my mother's side, I've got siblings on my father's side. I understand. So all together, 12 okay. <laughs> in between. Yeah. But I'm the only son of my mother and my father. And so, did you grow up in a city or in a village? Or it's, town? it's a town. Okay. It's about a town. What? About 40, 30, 50? Oh, about over, over, over 2,000. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So it was about 35 kilometers from the capital city of Ghana. Okay. So it's called Adwejiri in Samoa. It's um, the eastern part of Ghana, the eastern region of Ghana. Um, that's that's that was where I was born. I was raised. I had my even up to my secondary education. I okay. had it there, um, and so I mean playing I soccer. Oh yeah, definitely. It, it's um, it's it's a giving. Yeah. At some point, I actually felt I'll become a professional football player. Yeah. Until when I became born again, the soccer was not uh, matching with the Christian belief because um, I was I I used to play in the defense uh-huh. um, four or five and you tackle oh, um, fiercely. Uh, I mean those uh, goal scorers and it ended in fights. You oh, had yeah, to yeah. stand your ground because they're always bullies. And so how do you go and pray tongues at church and then you, you are sitting on the pitch defending swearing. yourself? Swearing. <laughs> I'll break your neck. So at some point I decided that, look, um, I would just play for um, maybe for social reasons and to give faith. Were you good? Very good. Yeah. Very, very good. In a team? Maybe in a team? Yes. I, I, I played. Um, so in, okay, so where we grew up, you have the professional team. Of course. And the team sub-under it. Yeah, yeah. So the sub-under it is you are the reserve guys. If yeah, they reserves. need someone, yeah, they'll pull they'll, somebody. They'll, but I, I had an injury and that actually put a stop to it because I, I had the signal that it's time to stop, but I kept going. How old were you when you had the injury? Um, I was, I think about 21. It was a serious injury Yeah. Um, from the stocks of, um, the shoe stocks of a guy who just came straight at me and yeah. it got me bedridden for a while. 
Wow. And so um, that was, for me, that was the message. You, you know that our story is very similar. <laughs> oh, really? I played, I played first, st- uh, first Division State League okay. in uh, Melbourne and Victoria for Richmond Alemania. Oh. And I played reserves. Yeah. So uh, you, have, you have the A-League yeah. and you have the uh, State Leagues. Yeah. And we were in the First Division of State League. So quite high uh, level. Mm. Uh, never made it in the first team, but in the reserves mm-hmm. we played. The reserve mm-hmm. was just as mm-hmm. fierce the yeah. competition because yeah. there were a lot of players mm-hmm. that would make it up mm-hmm. and down. Mm-hmm. And in my second season, I mm-hmm. suffered a injury to my left knee, mm-hmm. and I went and I saw a doctor, and he said, "Nathaniel, if you carry on, you will have to have a knee reconstruction." Mm-hmm. But he said, "You're young. Mm-hmm. Your knee will be okay yeah. if you don't play professional yeah. soccer." Yeah. He said, "Are you paid for it?" I said, "No. You know, it's just." <laughs> And then he said, well, consider that. So yeah. then I stopped. Mm. But the reason why I stopped, this was just a prompting. It was again because of my mom and they had yeah. prayers. <laughs> you know. Yeah, so I think um, I like sports. Yeah. I like sports. So I turned to table tennis Okay. after that. And that one I played at the professional level. Oh, no. Even to the Netherlands yep. and um, Western Australia. Wow. So 2012... My team, which in which I was the number one player in Western Australia, we won the pennants games in Western Australia. Whoa! Yeah, so uh, I still play, but I haven't got the time because of the need to do follow ups. Fantastic! Yes, well but, done. So I still play those uh, social games. Two weeks ago, my team reached out to me after a year because they haven't had anything. They said they were in trouble. They, someone had fallen out, and so if I could play, and I went like. <laughs> I lost it a bit. Oh no! This, this is a new season. Yeah. Uh, you know, they said, "Oh, if you could just come and play." I said, "No, no, no, no." I mean, uh, the weight is not helping, and there's a new focus. But every now and then, I just go, and they're they're quite surprised that when I come back, um, every time I come back, I, I still ha- I still have got it. But it's it's just what happens to the body after you've gone the aches <laughs> because it's, it's, <laughs> everything tenses. Every shot counts. Yeah. yeah. But I, I, I like sports. Wonderful. Yes. Yeah. So um, you went to elementary school in your town? Yeah, in my town. And then you went to the capital for secondary school? or for... Same same town, secondary school. Okay. So the, the, this, the secondary school for the whole area was actually situated. In your town? In our town. Was so, it quite uh, rough? Uh, alcohol, smoking? Not at all, because it was a college school. Okay. So... My primary school was in a Presbyterian school, a Jerry Presby school. Yeah. And my uh, middle school was also a Methodist school. So quite strict. Quite strict. Uniforms, the whole lot. You, 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 can't, you can't even fight. <laughs> you'll be in trouble. Whether okay. you won the fight or you was lost it. Was it good? Very good. Uh, but obviously the challenge of schooling in such places, you don't get to see the gaps uh, until later in life, okay. Because you're overprotected. We, yeah, we we thought Shelter. that we were having fun, uh, but other schools of uh, we, we we share the same similarity with being taught uh, like French and many other subjects that we lacked. We we thought is that, Ghana English or French English speaking. Okay, but French is one of the most. Learned, I mean, it, because it, of the surrounding nations. Yes, because we are surrounded by French speaking nations, yeah. and so they, they they encourage us to take it seriously, but. At that time, there were not many good French teachers, so you, you would have people who would just come and just and say some things in the name of French teaching. And what's the local language? Um, Obviously, there's se- many. Several of them. Um, the one I speak is Akan, 
and within a camp there are several dialects. Okay. The way it works is you understand what the other person is speaking, but you may not be able to speak it in the same with the same um, accuracy, but or accent. But then they'll understand you. They'll well. understand. So there, within the account, there are about six of the dialects. I understand all of them. Okay. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Wow. To the glory of God. That's that's and, the way you uh, You didn't have a rebellion period in your life, or. Um, I would say no. I, if if there was a rebellion period in my life, it was actually when I had become a Christian, and somehow, you know how you always feel. Maybe what's happening to me? Um, yeah, maybe I have to try inquiry. something else. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so there were periods where you, you got a temptation. Yeah. But somehow, somehow, um, I had a, a a spiritual mentor or a pastor who I thought, I thought until recently, I thought was living with me in my bedroom. Because anytime you had the opportunity to go away from God, you felt like he was watching you. Watching you. <laughs> and somehow you go to church and that Sunday, the message will hit you like he was actually there. And he knew it. He, and so that he would know it. Um, Guarding angel. For some reason, um, his name was Pastor Mandela. And he would somehow call you on that particular Sunday and say, see me after church. And you had to be pumped But, uh, okay, what's he there? Did you see him? You know, that kind of thing. So it always um, uh, put you on guard. But it, it's, it's just a childhood stuff, yeah. trying things. But When did you give your life to the Lord? Um, between 1992 and 1994. Okay. Um, because at that time... You know how you you accept Christ several times because you're not sure which one. Twelve times, yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so in, in between there, that was when it happened. But um, there were several times you would get prayed for another pastor will come. He would preach a sermon yeah. in a way that makes you feel that maybe the first one was not authentic. You, you need to do it again. Yeah. So I kept doing it. You until... repented of repenting. <laughs> well, <laughs> not <laughs> repenting properly. Uh, until you get convinced that, okay, that's now. So I actually got baptized in 1994. That was when in I, a river or in a in a river or oh, a river that in a river that I I nearly got drowned in one day <laughs> so it was quite an experience. <laughs> yeah. Wow! Yeah, who baptized you? Ah, oh, same man, Pastor oh, Mandela. Good, good. Yeah, were many young people. Being oh baptized? yes, yes, and today a number of them are into ministry. All I was going to say, if he was such a strong leader, surely yeah, your generation would have benefited from that. Usually, there's a strong leader behind every man. And um, makes it. I am sincerely grateful to him because he was working with the Bank of Ghana mm -hmm. and he actually left his residence in Accra and came and lived in the, in the, the town. In the town yeah. For some mm -hmm. reason, I always say that although he came to raise or to establish a church in the town, yeah. I personally feel I was the reason why you he were came. the church. <laughs> yes, I was the church. And, and I say it everywhere I go, um, not that... I'm doing anything special, but I just no, no, feel yeah. the sacrifices that yeah. he himself and the wife, they didn't have to, living in Accra, comfortable life. And even at some point, he had to be shuttering between uh, the city and the village. Sometimes late in the night, he was driving um, his car, sometimes on a motorbike and um, all that. And today I look back and I go like, wow. Um, so when I'm having issues with the youth in our church, God will always remind me somebody paid that price to get you where you are, so shut up. Yeah, just do it. <laughs> just do it. <laughs> it's good. It's humbling, isn't it? Yeah, very, very humbling. It's funny, yeah. you know, the church never understands your journey yeah. with God. Yeah. 
and how how many times he messes yeah. you up mm. during the day mm. and during the week. Yeah, you know they have no idea how you know how close he keeps <laughs> you on the right path. Yeah. You know, sometimes you think, God, why do you give him so much freedom? And I, I just blink and you snap me kind of thing, you know? The Holy Spirit yeah, is yeah. just there, you know? Yeah. The massive responsibility yeah. that he's putting on you. Especially because in this environment, there's freedom. There is, I mean, food is not a problem for some of us. Yeah. You, you drew close to God because there was always the need for something. Survival. But here, everything is too much. Paid for, and I sometimes feel, and I say it jokingly, that maybe Centrelink is an enemy of the gospel. <laughs> because <laughs> because um, even when people don't have that kind of personal source of income, they can rely on that, and that sometimes prevents people from relying on God. You know, yeah. but I say that jokingly. But I think it, it's a different terrain that requires a lot of grace, a lot of wisdom. And if you like kingdom tactics to get the young people to um, serve God and yeah. to um, to do things in a way that please God, because I I kind of always and the Lord always corrects me. Kind of look at my upbringing when I was younger, how I was on fire for God, yeah. and I always just go at my youth and go like when I was. At your age, I was doing this for God. I was doing this. you guys. They just, didn't get that vaccine and from they, the Holy Spirit. They, they go like, our style is different. We are digital youth. Yeah, <laughs> digital youth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What was your first job? First job, I actually trained as a teacher. Okay. At the university when I finished. So you finished the high school. I finished the high school. I went to uh, University of Cape Coast. Yeah. And that was actually far away. Is that in Ghana? It's also in Ghana. Okay. Uh, it's in the central region. Okay. And getting the admission was also a miracle. Impossible, almost. Um, but um, God, in his wisdom, made a way. And I'm so grateful to Pastor Mandela. He drove me from my town to my university. Wow. We went there uh, not knowing where I was going to sleep. Yeah. And he said, God will provide. We got there, and indeed, God provided. Somehow, he made divine providence and... Uh, um, so I, Where did I, you sleep? Um, oh, you only know the story. Yeah. Okay, so when we got to Cape Coast, as a first year, you had to go and get your own accommodation. Okay, so you uh, couldn't sleep in, in a student college. In, yeah, because... Too many I, dropped off. I actually got my admission late because you had to know somebody, uh, etc. Pay maybe, gets yeah, one way but, or another. Um, the kind of home I was coming from, it was... Impossible we, for you to we, have... You just have to pray and God will sort you out. Pray so, or pay. <laughs> so, <laughs> pray or pay. That's a good one. So, um, when that mission came, when Pastor Mandela said, we're going, God will provide. We got to the campus, finished all the admission because he had to come back to Accra and leave me. And um, he said, God will provide. Whilst I was walking on the campus, I ran into someone that said, I think I know you somewhere. And I went like, yeah. And said, I use so and so, etc. Apparently, I had a family member who had an, an empty house yeah. there. He had heard I had gotten admission, but he, at that time, phone and uh, text messages were not like popular like what it is today. So he was finding a way to connect to me. Yes. And somehow, somehow, God connected us. And by his own divine means, God connected me to that family member. On the campus. On the campus. Same day. When and then he it. said, 
that's the house. Go and live in. Pastor said, see, I told you, I was in tears. I was like, God, you can sometimes shock us. You can sometimes do things that just bring us on our knees. He returned to a cry. I was alone in that house. And I, I felt like my, my faith had grown at that time when yeah. I saw what God did. So I, I felt like I want to live on the campus because yeah. it's it's much better access to campus and lectures, etc. It was a bit of a distance. And so I said, God will provide. Somehow, somehow they um, they opened a, a competition to come and see. Uh, they were doing what we call justify your inclusion for table tennis players. And the best players were given accommodation. accommodation. So I got connected, went on a trial, and came up on top. And they where did me. you train beforehand? At oh, home? It was at home. Oh, it was. It was just yes. every day, hours, and hours. It was not even a gymnasium. We're playing on the streets. Yeah, the table was wind, outside with, with wind. Yeah, all the yeah. elements. Yes, I, I, a bit of sand, some leaves. I mean, and everybody you, yelling. It, it was near a gutter, so every now and then the, the ball will fall into the gutter. You clean it. Yeah. You come back and play. No problem. And it was just fine. Uh, was a proper net or just a piece of? Team? No, that was proper net. Yeah. But I got to understand more of the technicalities when I went on a regional tour. Okay. I represented my district uh, to play in the regional um, games. So there, I realized that I was not that good as I thought. So I came back home. Train practice. more, train more, train more. I, I trained to the extent that Pastor taught that I was getting mad with table tennis. So he put me and said, you only train twice in a week now yeah. so that you can focus on your books. Wonderful. <laughs> but that paved the way. Bible says that um, the gift of a person makes way for them. So that paved the way and I got accommodation on the campus, campus. and I went back to tell my family member that, uh, look, thank you so much, but God asked me. He said, how? Did you, did you pay? I said, no, I didn't pay. This is hard. He said, okay, no problem. Anytime you need it. This time you played. Say again. Before you prayed, because you <laughs> couldn't pay. But this time you played, you waited. <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah, From pray to play Exactly, to pay. exactly. And God made a way. And um, I, I was on the campus. And that opened a whole new level in ministry on campus as well. Because I was actually involved in yeah. campus ministry as well. Wonderful. Yeah. Were you keeping in touch with the family back home? Um, keeping in touch with mom, keeping in touch with dad every, uh, because they were separated. So um, it had good sides and bad sides. So uh, for those who are coming from separated homes, so you go get the money from here and they go get the money from here and you put it together. You know, because uh, <laughs> they wouldn't know. It. That was it. You know, there are times you don't get anything from both sides. Because Did you have much of your dad while you grew up? When you well, were not, not, not much, not much because he remarried. And but every now and then, you you will go and visit him. He now lives in Germany, um, Hanover. So we're in touch, but upbringing not much of him. Yeah. But it, but some 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 I would say God gave me a father figure in Pastor Mandela. Okay. Um, he raised. I actually um, once I got to un- sec- I think third year university, I lived with him. Okay. I lived with him until I got married. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. When did you get married? I got married in 2003. In, uh, in uh, Ghana? In Ghana. Were you teaching at the time? I was teaching at that time. Actually, at that time, um, I had I was teaching part-time, but I moved into documentary. So I, 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 I had a lot of interest in documentaries. Oh, and so um, on African culture okay. and also university lifestyle. So uh, your education was a teacher for uh, social sciences? Or? Yeah, for, for social sciences. So I taught 
in high school. Uh, high school, uh, one of the top high schools in Ghana called Achimota School. Mm-hmm. I taught there for a while, and whilst I was teaching there, a colleague that was also teaching there brought an idea of establishing a media company, and okay. so he actually took me along. Oh, uh, with nice. him. So, uh, but he left the teaching profession earlier. But I was doing a part time and was doing, and then later. And I you joined. were filming and broadcasting. Yes. So I was the um, actually the, the the associate producer of uh, one of the popular shows in Ghana called Sun City, and our documentary was called Trek. That was about different places in Ghana. So I I, I had I got to travel. So you got to travel. I traveled a lot. Oh, awesome. um, I traveled a lot, and I enjoyed it. Wonderful. Until the opportunity came for me to leave the country to go to the Netherlands, yeah. So how did you meet your wife? Oh, um, an interesting story as well. Because whilst I was struggling to get an admission at a certain university... Oh, you wanted to do your PhD or no, master's? Um, no, no. The first, the, the, the first degree, yeah. um, my preference was um, the University of Ghana. That was... I mean, when you are young, you know, you, you think the best. everybody wants to go to a certain university because of certain privilege and yeah. some kind of class which... Yeah. Um, in in okay. hindsight, I go like it doesn't exist. Um, she was also struggling to get admission to the same university, yes. and God in 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 His divine providence opened the door for her at the University of Cape Coast. Also, oh, so you met in in, in the University of Cape Coast. She came a year after me. Okay, and then we met at the church. So the church that I was into ministry, she came there as a fresher. And um, when she came, I was. In charge of, um, you know, in Ghana we have we, we call it halls, residences. Yeah. Lots of students. You're looking at close to about, if I'm not exaggerating, about thousand five hundred to two thousand wow. students in one hall. Yeah, so yeah. several halls. So I was the hall president of a particular hall. Yes. And um, she came there, so she came under my pastorship. Oh. And uh, well, it, it didn't start that way. No, no. Um, because our first encounter was not actually good, and uh, because I went to visit to find out how herself and the team were doing and apparently she had been sick and the church hadn't visited so she actually said you people don't have love just go away we don't want to see you and i was quite patient very embarrassed went away but somehow a friend connected us and then we became friends so she came into my prayer room my, my prayer group yes we used to pray together we were three in the prayer group and then the other person left i remember in those prayer meetings we, we, will, we will pray for our future partners <laughs> no, so let's pray that God will give us a, a good husband. So you're praying for her, or she was praying for you I mean, and for one another. For some reason, personal, I felt she couldn't be my wife because no. she had a temperament that was different from mine. You're, um, you're more calm, calm, and she's she's fire. She's fire. She's more expressive. I I had grown up in a place where. Uh, women were more quieter, but she was very assertive. Different area, different. Uh... Um, tribe kind of thing we're from the same tribe but raised relatively from a better family in terms of economics and her past, her, her father is a pastor too okay so uh dad she has, has some privileges and she could voice uh, it she, she's never known what is called poverty okay and so when she came to campus and i would pray that god will supply my needs and sometimes I would go on a fast, not because I wanted to, but because my, you didn't have food. I didn't have food. So might as well fast. <laughs> I, I, people considered me very anointed on campus. They didn't know that it was induced anointing. <laughs> <laughs> induced anointing, I love it. <laughs> you know so uh, people would take you out to say, uh, uh, Brother Joe, uh, Brother Jonas, they would call me at that time. Um, I'm having this dream problems and this kind of demonic problem. Can you go and help me in the, in the uh, university gardens and help, help to 
pray over me and get me delivered, etc. I already agreed because the grace was there. They didn't know that the source of grace was actually hunger. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you know, so uh, we're so, I mean, a, a, a few friends that were also in the same shoes. Yeah. Um, we'll gather one time and um, today we, we look back and say, it was good God actually made us hungry because it made you seek God. It made yeah. you um, depend. just depend on God. You, uh, you literally thirsted and hungered yeah. for God. I, I would say maybe he not. He was the bread of life. <laughs> maybe maybe not the, the, the ravens in, this, in the case of uh, Prophet Elijah, yeah. but human ravens, people that were totally unexpected. Help will come from different sources. And um, when I met my wife, she was a friend for a while, just normal friends. And um, sometimes I would go and visit um, just to want to see how she's doing because I knew the time that she would cook and I was going... Perfect timing. Perfect timing. And uh, she was quite generous. So on campus, she had a little kitchenette? Or? Yes. So little kitchen. Today's got a bit worse because they now have put a Canteens. lot of people in the same uh, room. But we used to just be two. So it was just you and your room mate you have your own kitchen at the back and it was just so Perfect. good yeah and, and um you were allowed to go into the ladies quarter oh yes um a uni it, it was in a mixed hall yeah there were some uni or single sex halls for that for that one there was a curfew at 9 p.m that you couldn't go in so uh, we could go, but she had a roommates as well and we were in the same church same choir yeah so and um when the time came i was struggling because i thought that opening your mouth to say proposing love to a Christian sister was actually like you are sinning. So I just went around just talking about God is love, you know, uh, and, um, um, you know, uh, I wasn't really straight because I wasn't sure whether I'll be bounced or Ghana would call it bounced. It means uh, she says no. Um, and her father had warned her that you're here to study. Don't come and do any. Don't uh, get married. Any, don't, don't when the time comes out. So she was really afraid of that. But um, uh, when I laid the truth. the truth to her, she said, gee, how do I convey this to my dad? My dad. And I said, we'll work, we'll work our way around it. So we used to pray that God was soften. So she accepted? She, she didn't accept instantly. It, it's a Ghanaian thing, even if they yeah. like it. It's, maybe it's a woman's thing. I could be wrong. But I, I knew that she had the interest. So because at the time... Sometimes I would pull off a little bit and I would see if she would come and look for me. Um, for two weeks, she wouldn't show up. By the third week, she would drop a note to say, I passed by to see her. Yeah. So then uh, that gave me enough. Uh, enough courage. And we always had a friend in between us, um, Eric, who was... A mailman. A, a male. He was quite elderly. He was like a senior brother. He connected us. So he would... So, I, I, so even when I was not hearing from her, I would ask Eric. How is she? What is she Actually, doing? Has she said anything yeah, about yeah, me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, Eric will be teasing and say, oh, yeah, she's fine. It's I beautiful. think it's going to work out. But you knew it was her. Somehow, um, I wasn't sure because I wasn't... Um, where I was coming from, my perspective was different. And so, um, I, again, I will, I will refer to Pastor Mandela. I spoke to him about it. You called him. I called him because I nearly made a terrible mistake. Before. Before. And that was um, when I got to third year in my first degree, um, I got a proposal from a lady who was living in the UK. That oh, the other way around. The other way around. She proposed to you. Yes. So the family came to see my family that the, we've known each other from childhood. 
and uh, she's looking for a husband. And so, if, which is common, uh, a lot of because they want a, a good man, a, a good man. So they'll go to Ghana, yeah. both boys and girls. Yeah. And the family was well to do compared to mine. Yeah. And um, to be at this stage of my life, to me, it was a breakthrough yeah. because some of my uh, family members felt that it was the end of poverty in the house yeah. because she had her own house. Um, she even offered that I'll come and visit her in the UK. So it, everything was just on the, on, on the table. Yeah. But somehow I felt it was not right. So yeah. when the proposal came again, my, my spiritual mentor, and he picked it up straight away that it's a trap, say no to it. And it was difficult telling mom that, look, I'm not going to say yes yeah. to this because, and because she felt, what's wrong with you? Yeah. This is our chance. And we get to live we get get out of um, this kind of. We live in a compound house. Yeah. I had my own room, but it was a compound. I, mean, I don't know how yeah. you know compound. Everybody knows everybody's matter. <laughs> yeah. You know, but it, it, it's it's good in some sense because it's you never feel alone. Yeah, you know, it's like kind of, state housing. Yeah. Uh, so when that mom felt disappointed that I said no, obviously because Pastor Mandela had advised that it wasn't right. So when uh, my wife Elizabeth came into the picture, I spoke to him again. And he said, okay, I'll bring her home. Elizabeth was not aware that I was actually taking her home to be assessed. I just felt that, look, come and say hello to my, 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 my spiritual. Oh, my spiritual dad. My spiritual. At this time, I'm taking her to my home and she's seen my mom. And that actually caused a problem because when she saw our home, where you came from, uh, where, where I came from, she actually said no. She, she, she said she was reconsidering yeah. that married proposal because she felt, oh, is this what I'm signing up for? But thank God for her father who counseled her to say, don't judge um, this person by what by what by where he's coming from because you never know. I just see a future in him. So um, that... Wise man. Very wise man. And so I, I took her home uh, to my pastor. Uh, I was staying with him at that time. Everything was normal. And then I went and saw her off. And then came back home and said, Dad, what do you think? She said, he said, that's spot it. That's it. That's <laughs> Smart man. That's her, but there was a few things that I felt wasn't right because she was too assertive for my liking. And I, and I asked him about it. So how do I handle that? Because I, I was trying to make her adopt my temperament. He yes. said, you can't change her. Just allow. allow it. Because God has... I'm giving her that temperament for a reason. And today, it is paying off in the ministry. Yeah. Because there are things I can't speak about. She would be the one that goes on. She's your voice. <laughs> she's your Aaron. And, and, and tackles the issues. Yeah. I go like, thank you. And she sorts them out. <laughs> she sorts things out. Whilst but they I can't just, be angry <laughs> with you. They have to forgive her. <laughs> and uh, she has a nice way of getting things done her own way. So sometimes when I'm musing over things, just leave that to me. I'll be back. How did the Netherlands opportunity open up? Oh, by the grace of God. At this time, I had learned how to play the keyboards through um, some means, also through the help of Pastor Mandela as well, because the church bought a piano. For six months, there was nobody playing. And so he said, you will, go in, you will play the piano. There was no one in the, in the town who knew, knew how to play. So um, an opportunity came when somebody came from Accra to train churches in the town uh, how to play. He came once and showed us key C. 
Yeah. That is how key C major is. All songs in KC. He uh, just showed you the, the key, uh, the, the scale of yeah. major, major and showed the first chord, etc. That's it. He never showed up. But I say to the glory of God that when he came and showed us those basic principles, I just slept with the keyboard the rest of my life. And so I would say it was Holy Ghost taught. I've never been to a music school. I don't have qualification in music. But the, the Holy Ghost just started teaching me. Of course, it came with mistakes. And I will never forget this story when I went to university. I thought I was really good until I joined the university choir. At this time, that's humbling. They were doing songs that I've never heard. The Kirk Franklin's, the complex called Black Chords, Gospel Chords. And I was just doing basic C chord, F chord, G chord, and I was having fun. And so when we joined the, the church, um, they would invite all first years and they would say, okay, um, what can you do? And uh, different people will tell what they would do. You said I can play uh, And I said, I will play the piano. This church, <laughs> I regret that today. <laughs> this church had had a great, I mean, the greatest keyboardist on campus, Lee, because he had finished his study. So they were praying for a keyboardist to come. So when I said in the presence of the church, that I could play the piano. It was piano. an answered prayer. It was an answered prayer, and people were just jubilating. Until after church, the music director, who is in the UK at the moment, uh, pastoring, um, also, I mean, he sent me a song that on like Wednesday, we're doing this song. So which go look, listen. Which looks Chinese with a lot of black dots. I, I got sick immediately. When he said, <laughs> he gave me the CD and said, go and listen. Nothing missing. That was the first time I heard things like intro. So, so he said the intro is very complicated, so you need to play with the band to do syncopation. I synco uh, intro, okay. Well, I hit it, took it to my dormitory, listen, 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 listen. Didn't quite make sense, so I just said, okay, I'll go in faith. And when we went to that rehearsal, it's been the most embarrassing uh, day of my life when. They gave me the keyboard, standard keyboard. And they were, the choir was about 80 people. The bass guitarist was there. That was the first time we were all meeting. So the, he just told me, okay, don't, don't play anything complex today. Just give me the intro. Just give me the lines and intro. And I was just sitting down. Pastor Natalia, my, my, my face was red. I was so confused that he knew I was in trouble. So he said, oh, I'm just be patient with this brother. And he will pick up over just I never stepped in the church again. I just I, you ran. I ran. I <laughs> never. But there was somebody in the church that I'm grateful to God for. He's also a pastor now. He came looking for me. He came and left a note and that he said, I want you back in the choir. I'm happy to get you somebody to you? mentor you. And God linked me up to this guy called Benet. He was a very good keyboardist. So he came actually to help the church and I was just understanding. Benet. I was cleaning his his shoes just to get an opportunity, and he was so helpful. By the time Benet left, I had actually become the number one keyboardist of the of the church to the glory Hallelujah. of God. Yeah. So when I was, I mean, at uni, finished, went back home to help church, etc. And the church, we had a church, a branch in the Netherlands, who were looking for a keyboardist, who were looking for a kind of person that can help them musically, also do some kind of pastoring. And so I got sponsored to oh, go to the Netherlands. 
to do. Did you have children then or not yet? Um, not, not yet. At that time, we had married for, I think, just about two and a half years. Okay. So I went there and over a year, in a year's time, Elizabeth joined me as well. So I'm grateful to the so church. you went first and then I she went came. first and then, then she came. Okay. Um, the church was so, so, so... What town? What city? Amsterdam. Oh, in the... In Amsterdam. The, the, the host pastor blessed us. I never paid rent. Uh-huh. I did all my postgraduate studies there and they were just so supportive. Today, I look back, the day I was living in the Netherlands, uh, the church cried. I mean, everybody cried. I Up to today... Was it a Ghanaian church? Uh, it okay. mostly... Ghanaian? I would say... Is it Ghanaian? No, people from... Or Ghana. Sa- How do you call it? Ghanaian. Ghanaian. But there were few, just few Ghanaians, but people from different um, cultural backgrounds. So you were speaking English then? Mostly English, from Suriname, from Nigeria, okay. from Zambia. So predominantly African. Predominantly African, but different places. Yeah. yeah. Up to today, I haven't. But very varied. I very mean, varied. Different, different backgrounds, yeah. different understanding, yeah. different cultures. Yeah. But totally. Pentecostal. But Pentecostal. Yeah. It was and so, you were you were switched on charismatic. Yeah, yeah. So I went. I would, we, we had a church in Amsterdam and a church in um, the Hague. Yeah. So um, I was kind of the youth pastor of the two churches. Okay. So between Amsterdam and the Hague, by car is about 40, 45 minutes drive. Yeah. Sometimes you finish church in Amsterdam, you Bang. drive to the Hague, go have church, come back, and it was just fun, especially yeah. for I like driving. Yeah, and um, Holland is beautiful. Oh, People beautiful. are very, very beautiful. Regimented. It was so emotional. Good food too. I haven't still been able to watch um, the video when they sent me off. To I haven't still for we left the twelve years ago. I haven't still been able to watch it. It was just too much. Seeing and from the there you came to Australia. From there I came to Australia because at. After three years, because I trained people to play the keyboards there. So you build up teams. You could leave it in good yeah, hands. Yes, and um, so I, you only stayed there for three years. For three years. So why Australia? I just felt that it was time to move, but we didn't know where. So we just trusted God that, look, I felt the need to continue my education and also to do something new. Uh, so we, we tried everywhere, Switzerland, Canada, but the door did not just open anywhere. It was only in Australia where... So you came here to do your studies, your PhD or your PhD. master's? No, I, at that time I finished my uh, two master's, living by the grace of God, yes. So you came here to do your PhD? PhD. Yeah. On a on a scholarship. Scholarship. That's a different story altogether. Wow, that's another <laughs> another another story. Another altogether. episode. <laughs> another episode. So where did you start in Sydney? Um, no, I studied at Edinburgh University here. Okay. In Western Australia, Perth. That's where you work. At that's the where I work at the moment. Oh, yeah. wonderful! Mm. Was it that as you said, that would have been a miracle to get mm, a scholarship? Definitely, because uh, at that time they were giving only three scholarships every year worldwide. <laughs> and a lot of the times they were their tutors or somebody that they would connect with the yeah. school. I mean, coming here and getting that scholarship actually meant a lot to me to see. That told me and that actually emphasized the fact that I was here for a purpose. Yeah. Yeah. That's a true miracle. Yeah. I mean, that scholarship is probably worth $200,000, yeah. no more. God did it yeah. in a mysterious way. Praise God. Yeah. And you established uh, this church or you took over this church? Um, by the grace of God, it was um, ground zero. Um, just a new work altogether. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, we've been around for a while, um, been to several churches. We had several kingdom initiatives. So yeah. I established a music event in Perth that was sitting 800,000 people every every 26th of December. 
uh, it was called expression and it was just meant to raise worshipers in the land so a number of people who are worshiping in churches especially in our community they were, they came from that that place to the to the glory of god so this work was grand zero um i've worked with several pastors here who I served under in various capacities for several years and they were willing and graciously released me when the time came to, to do other things. And your children were born in Australia or in the uh, Netherlands? One in the Netherlands, two in Australia. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. wow. And you stay with ECU? Yes. Um, when I finished my lecture. Yeah. When I finished my study, I worked in government for a while and then came back to the academia. Wonderful. Yeah. That's great because you can have a massive influence on the students. <laughs> yes. Because you carry, you carry the presence of <laughs> yes, God everywhere. Exactly. And every now and then you have the opportunity to talk to Jesus about someone in an, in an unofficial way, you yeah. know, uh, because the, there's a barrier between teaching and sharing the gospel. But somehow God always finds a way of getting you to get the gospel to people who, who need it. What else has God deposited in you that hasn't come to surface yet? I, I think he says what I has not seen, what ear has not heard, those are the things. So... I'm, I'm still discovering myself. Yeah. Um, I still feel there's a lot to do, um, but I'm asking God maybe to increase the hours from 24 to something else, just to be able to get more time to do other things. But each day we are seeking God to say, God, what's the next? Yeah. What's the next? Yeah. God, the, God is infinitely huge. Yeah. And that the depth in him means that even in an area, he is infinitely deep that yeah. you can explore. Wonderful. Yeah. For your children, for your children's children, what would you like them to remember you by? I would like them, the legacy that we want to leave behind is a person that loved God, mm -hmm. a person that served God, a person that also helped people um, to discover themselves and a person that was there for other people. I would like my children to serve my God. And I keep telling them every morning when we have our devotion that you will serve my God. Promise me that. That's beautiful. Amen. Wow. Fantastic. Well, welcome to Australia. and Welcome. We are so grateful that the Lord has brought you here mm -hmm. and you're serving these beautiful people in this nation yeah. and doing it with love and care. Praise God. What an amazing, amazing life. Praise God. Well, what an amazing story. I'm sure you loved it just as much as I did. And uh, we could talk for hours. Yeah. I mean, there's so much. There's infinitely more <laughs> to be explored. Yeah. We might just call this episode infinitely more <laughs> in God. Um, look at his life. I mean, just capture what God has done in Joe's life and believe in miracles for yourself. Mm. Believe in, in, in miracles that are greater than your mind can comprehend. Mm. Because we are so limited. I mean, for God to do a this much miracle or a this much miracle is the same. It's still a miracle. Mm -hmm. So don't be shy in uh, exercising your faith yeah. to receive the miracles of God. You just listen to how God has worked in Joe's life mm -hmm. to, to take him into university, you know, to get married, to move to the Netherlands, yeah. to come to Australia. I mean, yeah. to get a scholarship in a PhD here in Australia. This is just, you know, unheard of. Yeah. And the Lord is using him uh, to minister to hundreds of people every week here in, in his beautiful church. 
And uh, not only that, but also in the university where he teaches and lectures every week. Mm. What an amazing, amazing man of God. If this builds you up and uh, this helps you on your journey, we'd love for you to share this content and tell others so we can distribute more to more and more people. Because as people hear this, they are lifted up, they are built up, and their faith is increased yeah. by listening to these God stories. We value your five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and uh, you know all the likes and the thumbs up that you give us on YouTube and everywhere else. And we look forward to seeing you next time at Kingdom Stories from Down Under. Thank you for joining us on Kingdom Stories from Down Under. We'd love it if you would subscribe, rate, and share these stories with your wider community. And remember, every story is worth sharing, including yours.